0: well good morning everybody and welcome to gospel Saving church praise God I'm so glad you're here if this is your first time coming to gospel saving church hello I'm Pastor Ed and this is our weekly broadcast of truth from God's word we always start with a word of prayer before we get into any of God's business so if you guys would please join me in a word of prayer we have to ask the Lord to bless our hearts and bless our minds and bless our understanding so that we can understand his word as the word says we can only understand the Word of God by the spirit of God so if you join me, please. Lord, I, uh, I thank you so much, Lord God, that you have given us a beautiful new day. Lord, I thank you so much, Lord God, that you have given us so many precious promises in your word. <laughs> Father God, I, I just pray, Lord God, that this world, especially this America, Lord, would realize the one sad thing. There's only one sad thing about all your precious promises, Lord, that you have given us you have given us, mankind, these precious promises, but many people don't know you, or think they know you, but they don't know you, and they can't take advantage of them. Lord, there's nothing worse than a gift that's given, but it won't be received, Lord. And you have given these precious promises, and you've given Jesus Christ your Son, but many people have either falsely received them, and but think that they have truly received them, and again, they haven't, or they just refuse to, because they're running away from you. And Lord, then your promises do those people no good, because they're walking away from Him, Like the Christmas gift under the tree, Lord, for Christmas, Lord, the person, it's there, it's for them, but unless they take it and receive it, and open it up and enjoy it, Lord, it does them no good. So Lord, thank you for all your precious promises. I just pray that those listening, Lord, if they don't, if they haven't, or if they think they have, but they haven't, I pray you'd convict their hearts and show them that they haven't, but I pray they'd receive these precious promises today in and, and the precious gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord God, and uh, that they would turn to you, Lord. And those of us that are yours, Lord, that have received these precious promises and have received Christ truly into our hearts and have become born again, Lord, I pray that we would stand on them. And I pray we'd... Follow you, Lord, the way your word tells us to follow you. Help us, Lord, to follow you the ways in which your word says that we should follow you today, Lord God, because you give a pretty clear, uh, powerful message here, Lord, today with these Bereans in our scripture today, Lord God, that shows us clearly, Lord God, how, what, what makes you happy. Because <laughs> they do things that get your attention and that make you happy. So, Lord, I pray that we would be like Bereans, Lord God, in our lives with you. We love you and praise you and ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. We're going to be in Acts chapter 17 today, and our verses are going to be verses 10 through 15. The title of our message today, as I already alluded to it in my prayer, is Be Like a Berean. Simple, just as that. Be Like a Berean, title of our sermon today. Let's read Acts 17, verses 10 through 15. You can either listen along or you can get out your Bibles and you can read along with us. If you will, please. Acts 17, verses 10 through 15. Let's read. The Bible says, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul in Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. That would be there in Berea. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens and received a command, for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. So remember now, recap time. We, we had our resurrection message two weeks ago. Now, of course, this meant that we had to take a break from our verse-by-verse teaching through the book of Acts, chapter 17. That's where we're at. And last week, we unfortunately had some technical difficulties, so we had no recorded sermon last night. We just had a small church gathering here uh, last week, just for the, those that were are in this church. I apologize for those of you listening online. Um, praise God, I'm back, though, this week. We're ready to roll again. What does this mean, all, though, as I said? Well, it means we have to have a recap time for us today. Why? Well, of course, we haven't had a normal Acts 17 message in three weeks. And so what that means is is that kind of we're like, where, where, where are we X Acts 17? Uh, well, that means we got to get back up to speed. So Acts 17 uh getting up to speed are you ready here we go two weeks ago now in Acts 17 we left off three weeks ago excuse me in acts now Acts 17 we left off with paul silas timothy and luke in the macedonian city of thessalonica now remember this is the bible first and second thessalonians this is where this church was probably planted in this uh missionary journey Remember, Paul and his crew went into the Thessalonian synagogue for three consecutive Sabbaths or Saturdays. And they proved Jesus as the Christ and they proved the gospel uh, to them from their scriptures. The Old Testament for Christians and Tanakh for Jews. It's the same book. And I went over some of those very same scriptures in my last Acts 17 message that Paul would have used to prove Jesus Christ to them, as I did and do feel today that proving Jesus Christ as the only Savior of the world, the Messiah that God truly sent him to be, is as important to prove today as Paul thought it was to prove him back in his ministry in his time. And after Paul proved Jesus Christ to them, some of them chose to believe in Jesus Christ. Well, what does that mean? Well, if we turn to him and we choose his path, then that means we get saved. That's what the Bible says clearly. And, but some of them that, that didn't choose to believe, they chose to disbelieve. And what does that mean? Well, they chose not to accept Jesus Christ and they chose not to surrender to Jesus Christ. And the Bible says then that means that they would not have been saved. And remember, going back again now, this is where our recap here. Remember those that chose to disbelieve, they didn't stop at disbelief. They ended up getting super furious angry and caused a huge uproar, an angry mob type of uproar in the city of Thessalonica. And remember, they couldn't get to Paul. God must have hidden him and protected him somewhere safe. And so they go after Jason, a local disciple convert in his household who probably housed Paul while he was in that city working for the Lord. And uh, they took the, the uh, Jason and it, like those that were with him to the rulers of the city. Well, God protected Jason and those with him. For once, the angry torch carrying pitchfork holding mob, you know, of course, figuratively speaking, had gone away. The rulers sent Jason away with those in the city. And then we may not know where Paul was, but he resurfaces in our section of Scripture today, as we'll see here in just a moment. That was our recap of study of Scripture. Uh, Coming into Thessalonica, remember Paul, entering Paul again, verse 10 of our brand new sermon today, Be Like a Berean. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. This is our brand new city that we're looking at today. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. So obviously God had moved Paul out of Jason's house to a safe place, remember when the angry mob was looking for him, uh, by leading the local disciples or brethren to do so. But then after the dangerous uproar was over, they see that, hey, the coast is clear. Oh, hey, everything's calmed down, but you know what? Let's get this guy out of here. Let's get him out of Dodge. And, And so what do they do? They send him away to the city of Berea right, another city. Uh, The city of Berea in Macedonia then is now the northern, uh, is northern Greece today and goes by the name Berea or Viroria. The city Berea or Viroria is just southwest of Thessalonica, about 44 and a half miles or so, which equates to a little over 15 miles or 15 hours if you're walking or a little about about five hours if you're trotting on horseback, which they probably would have traveled by horseback. So they were clearly out of out of harm's way, five hours away on horse. So, so the disciples, brethren, seeing all the turmoil, uh, and uh, still knowing that it could come back if Paul were to show his face again, but caring about his safety. They think it better to send them away to a safe city, the city of Berea, and they do so under the cover of night, as that scripture just told us, uh, hiding Paul from any possible harm that he would have faced by this angry mob people. I'd say it was the safe city, five hours on horseback. That's, that's a pretty good clip away. Pretty smart move on their part. I doubt it was a mistake. I don't think it was a mistake because remember, Paul heard from Jesus Christ personally. Paul would have visions. If Christ didn't want him to go somewhere, he'd show him a vision. Remember, he didn't. He wanted to go into the one city, and, and God said no, and then he pushed on. God made him move on to another city, and so I, I doubt it was a mistake because if if Jesus wouldn't have wanted Paul to escape to Berea or go to Berea, then he would have stopped him. So I think the disciples made a good, godly move in getting Paul far far away. Now. With Paul uh, roughly five hours or so away uh, at a seemingly safe distance from harm, but you never know. Does he take it easy? Does he kick back? Does he say, you know what, man, all of that bad turmoil, you know, I, I may not, I, I may want to, you know, take a break. I don't, I don't think I want to go to the Jews. I think I just want to relax a little bit. Does he, does so? Does he take a break feeling a little safe, you know, some far away? Heavens, no. Last part of verse 10, when they, that would be Paul and Silas, arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews, and that would be in Berea. They get to Berea, and God obviously calls Paul again to preach to the Jews. Because Paul kind of was led by the Lord and he did as God wanted him to. There were some cities, remember, in Paul's journey so far that they would come to and they would just go right through. And then they would go through this city and that city and two or three cities on, gone down the road. And then they'd go and find one city and then they'd go in. So God obviously called them to go right into the synagogue, even under the threat of it being in harm's way situation. Because remember, uh, the Jews weren't always as happy to hear about Jesus Christ as Paul was to tell them about Jesus Christ. But... God told Paul, and God says in his word, Romans 1.16, that it was to the Jew first that he wanted the gospel to go. So Paul was obedient to that call. And Paul goes right in here to the Jews, and he starts in again. Uh, doesn't matter what the Jews' reception of was. It? And it matters that God called Paul to do something, and Paul said, I'm going to do it. And, you know, that, that, that brings up something that God just strikes my heart with now. How many times do we now... Do we do something and we look for results? For instance, Paul did this going into these Jews. And as he went into these Jews, only some here and some there actually believed. You look at Paul's ministry as a whole, and today as we look at Paul's ministry, and I think, in the Christian circle, we think, Paul And we know Paul was the greatest missionary and the greatest soldier for Jesus Christ that ever existed in the Bible. He he was the greatest apostle that God ever had. But if you look at Paul's ministry as a whole, he had a lot of devastation. He faced a lot of pain. He went through a lot of suffering. And you know what else he faced? Something we do not like today, I myself to hate today, is he was rejected a lot rejected and scorned by his own people. And yet what did he do? He kept going. He didn't let that stop him. Hey, God called me to do something. I'm going to do it despite the positive results that I want. You know, Paul says in one of his epistles, "It's my desire," he actually told God one time or speaking in his epistles, "I wish I could trade myself, you know, basically to go to hell so that the Jews would would believe." And so we know Paul's desire was that the Jews be saved. And the amount of them that believed as he went on through his missionary journeys weren't really a lot, most cities. He had some cities where he had a great gathering, great kind of following to him, but many cities he didn't have a lot of gathering. But but he kept doing what God told him to do despite any positive results or despite many positive results. And I think we ought to take up and look at look at that. I think that's why... Most Christians today would agree that he was the greatest missionary ever, even though they would maybe not acknowledge that. But we acknowledge that that he didn't stop, no matter the adversity that he faced. Hmm. Interesting idea God laid on my heart there. Uh, moving forward, does his possible or his possible dangerous move of obedience to God to go right for the jugular of the Jews, right, right into the synagogue? That was like the heart of the Jewish. Place, right? That was where they gathered to worship. Does his dangerous move going right into their synagogue again prove productive for God's kingdom? Read verse 11 there. These were more fair minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So his move does pay off, and it does prove profitable for God's kingdom. As we see here, finally, he actually has some great success reaching these people, but it's not him. Uh, we see with these Jews here preaching Jesus as the Christ, as Paul does, even proving to them from the Scriptures. Just remember, same thing he did in Thessalonica, right? He kept the same M.O. I'm sure he changed what how his methods were, but his M.O. of Proving Jesus Christ to them was the same here as it was to them in Thessalonica. And it's the same thing he did, except for he, these here were more fair-minded, whereas those in Thessalonica, what they try to do, the majority of them tried to, well, that's the whole reason he's in Berea, they tried to kill him. But here in this synagogue with these Jews, we see them not rejecting Paul's good news of Jesus Christ, or rather, they're quick, you know, so quickly. Rather, they, as Luke records, they were fair minded, receiving God's word with all readiness. This means that they didn't close off their minds to Paul's news of Jesus Christ, like those in Thessalonica, like quickly, but rather they listened to Paul, or they heard him out. This means that they had open ears, open eyes, and open hearts. This is what the Bible would say. Uh, Simply meaning they were open to hearing what Paul had to show them from their Bible's scriptures of the Old Testament and the Tanakh, uh, not just on auto-closed. How many times do we do this? If we're reading something or looking at something or watching something and we hear something, a lot of times if what we hear goes against what we believe... We, we have our eyes on auto-close and our ears on auto-shut off, right? Oh, I don't want I don't to hear that. I, I'm guilty of that. Unfortunately, I'm guilty of that. But these guys here, hence the title of the sermon, and this is why we'll get to why it's good here in a little bit, but be like a Berean, these guys didn't have all their eyes and ears on auto-close. They had them on, well, let me see what this guy has to say. and Well, let me check it out. Uh, with, with open hearts and eyes, these Bereans, Acts 17, searched the scriptures daily to find out whether the things that Paul said were true. This means that they diligently, that means that they put effort behind what they were doing. They diligently physically searched the Bible or God's word or the whole, their holy scriptures to find out whether Paul's teaching about Jesus being the Messiah or Christ from the Bible were actually true. Right or they wanted to see if they were true or if he was just making up the stuff that he said just to like you know try to deceive them. You are listening to me today. Uh, Please listen to me very carefully, my audience, my precious audience. I can't stress enough just how amazingly great what the Bereans do here really is. I, I I just can't stress how. Focus on what they do and how they do it, and you be like them. Listen, they didn't close off their minds to the info Paul was giving them of Jesus being the Christ or Messiah and of the gospel even though that would have been their normal reaction to that news, because why, as I just mentioned, it went against what they had previously believed about Jesus and about who the Messiah was. But rather, they hear Paul out on his explanation of the prophetical scriptures, and then they go to what he shows them, and they go and they actually put their physical action to read and search out the claims that Paul makes of Jesus in the Old Testament or Tanakh to see if Jesus actually fulfilled God's description of the Messiah. Practically everyone everywhere knew about the life of Jesus and what he did and who he claimed to be and the things that he said or the things that he actually did. I mean, what Jesus did healing the eyes of the blind i mean who wouldn't know that that spread like wildfire remember in jesus's ministry the miracles that he did he he would do them in one town and before they actually got to like to next to the next town the the people were swarming to him in the wilderness because they're like i need to see what this guy did Nobody did the things that Jesus did. So what he did went throughout the whole known world. He was a miracle worker in a day and age when right before he came, God had pretty much kind of backed away. And the word says that God had pretty much stopped giving visions, stopped speaking to people. So now we got Jesus coming on the scene, and his works were well known everywhere. I mean, everybody knew them. And here Paul is saying, hey, this is what... Jesus did, you know that, but then here's what your word, the Bible says, that the real Messiah was going to do. And so the only thing that Paul had to do is to show them the proof of what God's Messiah, or promised Messiah Christ, was to do from their word, from the Scriptures, and Jesus actually being the promised Messiah was an open and shut case. Hey, the Messiah was supposed to, you know, heal the eyes of the blind, well then, hey, Jesus did that, and then he would go to the scripture. Hey, look where the scripture says the Messiah would do this. Oh, the Messiah would raise the dead. Oh, look, the scripture says this. Oh, the Messiah himself. Oh, he would come back after three days, and uh, you know. Oh, look here was where the scripture. Oh my gosh, we know Jesus did this. Oh my goodness, the scripture says that. Wow, I went, wow, really. But then you have to have an open mind and an open heart to go to the scriptures and say. What, did, what was the Messiah supposed to do? Well, these guys had those open ears and those open eyes and that open heart to do this. Today, sadly, in my career of sharing the Lord Jesus Christ with others, the majority of those that I've spoken to have not been like Bereans here with Paul. Uh, This is with me giving many of the same scriptures that Paul shared with these Jews to them. I've literally had thousands of conversations about Jesus Christ with others, and a good majority of those conversations were with skeptics and atheists and agnostics or or just the plain Jane average, you know what, I just don't believe in Jesus Christ kind of person, right? And, And these conversations involved me giving them proof the same proof that Paul gave to these Bereans, to, the, to those in Thessalonica, to those everywhere he went, of, of Jesus Christ and of God Almighty. And I've given it both to them from nature, all the things that have, of nature, and also from God's holy word, the Bible. Uh, but, but sadly, the majority of them uh, that I just said, the majority of them I've spoken to have just blown me off. Blown off the words of proof, they've not gone and researched them. They've not been like the Bereans, and they just keep on going their pet, going on their path, which continues, of course, without Christ, straight to hell. Oh, how this hurts God's heart so tremendously, as well as it does mine. One time in Luke eight eighteen in Jesus Christ's ministry, he gave a series of parables, and he said of the people that were listening to him, who would receive and who didn't receive him and his teachings, he said this, Therefore, take heed, which means, hey, be careful, my listener. And I'm going to tell you this today as you're listening to this sermon. Be careful, my listener, just like Jesus told his listeners. And be careful of what? He says, therefore, take heed, be careful how you hear see we hear all kinds of things right we listen and hear all kinds of things we hear probably millions of different things or billions of different things every day from the birds tweeting their voices singing their songs to to you know our foot walking on the ground to to our wives speaking to us to our sons talking to us to us talking to them to to the tv to all the things we hear but he said take heed how you hear, because it matters how you hear. That means it matters how you listen. Are you really listening to like, what is he having to tell me? Or are you listening to go, this guy's a joke. Are you not really listening to them? Are you not really hearing what they have to say? He said, be careful how you hear it. And he goes on to say, for whoever has, that means whoever will really hear me uh, to him more will be given and who, whoever does not have even what he seems to have will be taken away from him that means that if you'll hear instead of just closing your eyes and closing your ears to whatever somebody's telling you or whatever Christ is, or whatever God's telling you then he'll actually help you understand more but if you don't hear and you just reject and you just ignore what God tells you or what even people tell you like this you could even go for your boss at work your boss at work brings you into the office and they're like, hey, you know, John, I I, I want to tell you, you know, this is, you're doing a great job here, but, and you, you know when you hear that but, you know, that but's not always going to be the best thing, but, you know, you need improvement, you know, here, here, and there, and there. A lot of people at the but, well, they stop hearing what the boss has to say because you know why? A lot of people don't like to be corrected. They don't like to take correction. Now, that's pride. But at that but, at that button, many people's minds go, oh, here it comes. I don't know, and he's going to tell me I'm doing this. And we start thinking of things, and then, you know, we're not even really listening to him. So really, this is a principle that even works in the real world. If you'll just listen to what people have to tell you and actually listen to them, then actually you'll learn more, whether what they had to say is true or not. You'll actually learn something from that interaction. But if you don't have, and you, which means you close your ears and close your eyes and you think all these other things while they're talking, well, then you're not going to get any benefit of what they said, whether they, what they're saying is true or not. You can always learn from every conversation. I and mean, Jesus warned his listeners, be careful how you hear. So I warn you today, be careful how you hear him. Be careful how you even hear this message my strong suggestion to all who are listening to me today and all who have ever listened to me in the past or will listen to me in the future is this, you should receive, and even in the world now, this goes for everybody anywhere you go, you should receive all seemingly important information that may come your way during your life in one important way. That one important way, the way of the Berean, here with Paul in Acts chapter 17 uh, listen to what people have to say to you when somebody comes to you, no matter what it may be. And then, if they say what they say seems like it's important in any way at all, you should be like a Berean and go and diligently check out what they say to see if either A, what they say is true. You know, and it's, it has some importance, you know, because there's especially a lot of, like, conspiracy theories in today or what our government's done or what it's doing or what it's done in the past. And, and maybe they're true, maybe they're not. But, you know, you may never know because you may never go check it out. Because if you go check it out, you may find out it's true, and then you may learn something. But if it's not true, hey, you did check it out. You were like a Berean, and, you know, you went, hey, that's not true. I'm dismissing that. That's not any, that's no good information. You know what, that's false. And then you know what, you learned either way. Uh, So whether it's seemingly good information at all, listen and go check it out. Be like a Berean. And please listen to me uh, as far as your eternal life goes. uh, Information on whether God or Jesus Christ are real and or if Jesus Christ is the only Savior of the world, and and or anything about your eternal life, this should be seemingly important information to you. When someone brings any of these topics to you, you should be like a Berean and go and check out and investigate what they say to see if there's any truth to what they're telling you, if it's real or not. Really, your eternity depends on it. Now, maybe I'm wrong. And the things that I say to you about Jesus Christ, well, maybe they're wrong. But if I'm wrong, how do you know I'm wrong unless you really investigate what I say? You may find out that I'm a liar and a fraud. And if I am, hey, well, then you now know the truth. But I'll guarantee you, if you go check out the things that you hear that are seemingly important, especially about God and especially about Jesus Christ, you will not be disappointed, because anybody that's preaching the real true things about Jesus Christ, you're going to be blown away when you check out, like the Bereans did here, when they checked out what Paul told them. What was the result of the Bereans investigating the information that Paul gave them of who Jesus was, because of their open eyes and ears and hearts on this matter, and the proof that he shared with them? What what was their response? Look at verse 12, therefore, here you go, many of them believed. Uh, That would be the Jews in that synagogue in that town first, and then he goes on to say, and also not a few Greeks, prominent women, as well as men, meaning those that were in that synagogue, some of them were Greeks. Some of them were converted Jews by Judaism because they were like, hey, I want to follow the God of Judaism. But then after they heard Paul, they went, oh my goodness gracious, wow! Holy camole, Jesus is the Christ. And all these many people believed on Jesus Christ for salvation. What did I just tell you? I told you that when you examine the proof of what kind of person Jesus Christ was and what he did as far as all the miracles go and and then what God Almighty said the Messiah would do in his awesome word, Jesus of Nazareth fits the description of God's Christ or Messiah perfectly. And him being the real deal, like Savior of the world, Jewish Messiah, Christ of the world of God is a slam dunk. It's an open and closed case. And that's what led these Bereans to turn to Jesus Christ for salvation. Now, kind of a huge aside. I, I have to give God I have to give God laid it on my heart, but I want you to know one thing. I want you to take another huge thing away from this message, and this is the aside. God says in Isaiah 44, verse 11, I, even I, am the Lord. And besides me, there's no Savior. Well, what does that mean? That means that mankind cannot save themselves or work for their salvation in any other way. That's it. Bible says that God has to grant eternal life to people and that it is a gift but his word also says that he doesn't grant this salvation to everyone meaning it's not given automatically to people Bible says that his salvation is open for anyone to have but that again not just everyone and anyone attains it and that's there's a reason why I'll say, because the Bible does, God Almighty really has to choose someone for salvation, but not what Calvin taught. That that's heresy. That there's an elect and there's a non-elect, and the elect go to heaven, and the non-elect go to hell, and you're either born that way, or you know you're born one way, or you're born another. You're either born elect and you go to heaven, and you're born non-elect and you go to hell. That's that's garbage. That's a garbage teaching. But the Bible says of God being the Savior, uh, Acts eleven eighteen. Then God also had granted the Gentiles' repentance to life. God has to grant people eternal life, which means that these Jews and Gentiles in Berea didn't save themselves. God had to choose them for salvation and then save them. But here's the key. Here's where me and nobody that believes in Calvin will get along. But I want to teach you today on the subject here is this, using the Bereans as our example Not Calvinism, because we're not a Calvinist church. We're not a Reformed church. We believe in none of the five points of Calvin. Using our Bereans as our example, why did God choose to open up salvation for these Bereans? Why did he choose them for salvation? Because God has to choose people for salvation. Well, here's why. Here's why. Here's the awesome thing about God. They used their choice to show God that the info that he was bringing them about the Messiah, the Christ that he sent them, was important to them. You see, God is going to send people into your life or, or God has sent people into your life, as I know this is true because I've talked to, had thousands of conversations, and I've been that one person going into that person's life. And I've had people come into my life in the past before I knew Jesus Christ. And, and what happened was, is, and God reached out to me. Well, then I had, at that point in time, God reached out to me. Now, there, I'm not working for my salvation, but God reached out for me. Now, Prior to 20 years back, or 19 years back, what I did with that information was, is I heard it. I was not like a Berean. I basically crapped it away. I did nothing with it, and I went on about my life, just like the thousands of conversations that I've had where people have blown it off, same thing, and gone on their way to hell. I did the same thing. But these Bereans here, why God chose them for salvation was because they used their choice to when God came to them, They actually were like, well, yeah, let me hear what God has to say. They didn't close off their eyes, and they didn't close off their ears. They were just like, hey, well, let me see what God does have to say. Let let me see if this is, is true or not. And since they used their choice, they didn't choose to close their hearts and their ears to the proof of of Jesus Christ from their Bibles. They heard the proof. Then they sought out God's heart and his word. That still doesn't mean they're working for their salvation. They're just, they're responding to what God has done. To what? To see if the truths of Paul that, that that God was given through him were real. And remember, Jesus Christ said this. This is not working for your salvation. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. For you see, the Bible says, 2 Chronicles excuse 16, 9, that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Anyone can do this. God's looking for the person that's responding to his call for them to come to him, which is at points in life, the Bible says God's going to call everybody. Not one person is outside of this. God is calling everybody. But sadly, the Bible also says, Jesus Christ says that many are called, but few are chosen. Well, they're not few or chosen because God didn't call them, right? If Calvin was correct, then if you were called by God, you got to receive because it's, it's some kind of super, super, uh, whatever what do they call it, uh, super grace, or, or uh, I can't think of the term that they use now, but it, it, it's some kind of inexplicable grace that you can't uh, deny because God has called you. Well, yet the Bible says, <laughs> Jesus Christ said, Matthew 20-14, for many are called, but few are chosen. Well, the few are chosen. They're not chosen because they worked for it. They're not chosen because they were a certain elect. They were chosen because the Bible says that God's calling people. And when we respond to what God is doing in our lives, when God comes to us, then God will see that, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, and he'll respond with salvation for us. This precious heart attitude that the Bereans showed God Almighty. As they sought God, and God sought, they repented their false belief of Jesus, and they choose to believe in Jesus Christ. Romans ten thirteen. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then Second Corinthians three sixteen. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You're not saved until you turn. You're not saved until you respond. But God saves you once He sees that you respond after he calls you and then you respond then he takes away the veil and you become a new creature in Jesus Christ so please understand what what I want you to take away from what I'm telling you here is that God gave the message to the Bereans the same way he gave the message to the Thessalonians those in Thessalonia, right but those in Thessalonia they they just "Ah, whatever no no you're wrong and then they came and they got angry Had those in Thessalonica, had they decided to say, you know, well, let's check it out. God would have seen their interest and God would have said, oh, these people are responding to my call. Well, I'm calling them. Hey, I'm going to choose these because, you know, hey, they're they're interested. It's the same way when when I was a single man before I got married. Boy, I called on a lot of nice women. I called on a very lot of nice pretty ladies. But you know what? Not every lady responded to my call. But then God brought along a beautiful woman that did respond to my call. And then what happens is, is we chose one another for salvation. I, I I was choosing her and she saw my interest and she was interested as well, too. And then basically we got, you know, not I'm not I'm just using the reference, the, the parallel. It wasn't like we got saved, but we got we ended up getting married. And I'm married 23 years because she responded to my interests. So God is interested in us. When we respond in his interest, he he calls us, he chooses us. Same thing, really the same thing. But we're not able to save ourselves. (laughs) But but that is huge because God will and does call everyone to Jesus Christ for salvation at some point in their lives. But the question is this, will you respond positively like a Berean uh, to Jesus Christ as the Savior? Or will you close your eyes and ears and hearts to him? and turn and cause God Almighty not to choose you for salvation. Uh, I know that was a long and drawn out aside, but I just want you to know that God may be calling you right now, but will you be like a Berean, and will you respond, or, or will you turn your back on God, and will you be like those in the majority of those in Thessalonia, where they heard the word, they heard the call, and they rejected, and so God didn't choose them. You know, it's it's everybody. It's everybody's. God, God desires. God doesn't force anyone though to get saved. God gives us a a choice, and this is God's will for you to be like a Berean. Now, as powerful as all I just said was, and how these Bereans were here towards God Almighty and Jesus Christ. Look at the next verse because it's so sad is it just the opposite of the correct heart attitude that God hopes that everyone has that when he calls them. So everyone uh, that he he wants us to have toward Jesus Christ. Look at verse 13. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, uh, so again f- 5 plus hours on horseback away from Thessalonica, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Uh, These evil Jews from the last city Paul was in, uh, again, 8 to 15 hours away, depending on how they decided to travel, hear of the amazing gift that God had poured out in Berea. They hear of it, and they come all the way to Berea. That takes a lot of effort. Well, you know, there's a lot of people today that that have chosen to reject Jesus Christ, and so God doesn't choose them for salvation, so what do they do? They go out of their way to fight God. They go out of their way to, to rebel against God. They go out of their way to try to make people not believe in Jesus Christ. And this is what these people do from Thessalonica. They come all the way to Berea to try to destroy God's work and try to cause those that had been saved to go back to the devil in, in disbelief. you got to be careful. That devil is tricky. Jesus said of, of the devil, John 10.10, 10, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. What can we say of these hateful Jews that came all the way from Thessalonica, 8 to 15 hours to Berea? We don't have to say anything. Jesus Christ said it all, what I've been saying the whole message about the eyes and the ears, Matthew 13, 14 to 15. And then in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, seeing you will see and not perceive, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their hearts were hard towards God. Notice the hearts of these people have grown dull. As you continue to reject Jesus Christ in your life, your heart will continue to grow duller and duller and duller. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they are, and, and their eyes, they have closed. Everybody's going to get the message of Jesus Christ. What are you going to do with it? Are you closing your eyes? Are you closing your ears? And, and Are you hardening your heart? Or are you responding? And then he says, sadly, least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, least they should understand with their hearts and turn so that they, or so that I should heal them. That, that healing is salvation so that I should save them, right? God is the only Savior. Uh, this attitude towards God Almighty and Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ breaks my heart and it breaks God's heart as well. Jesus Christ, speaking of these same type of Jews that he faced in his ministry, Matthew twenty-three thirty-seven. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. It's a heart cry. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Christ, God, wants to save everybody. But oh, you, he's tried to gather. Maybe you're listening. You were not willing Look at what Paul and the Christians do with these evil-hearted Jews whose eyes and ears are closed. uh, And they come to supplant God's work. Look at our last verses, verses 14 and 15 today. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away. Hey, they know, hey, these guys have closed their eyes and ears off. We're not going to reach them no more. Leave them alone. They go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remain there. That's important. Keep your eye on that. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens. They get Paul out of Dodge. They get him out of their post haste with personal escorts down to the sea and all the way to Athens. Those were like, you could call them his bodyguards. They were like, we're going to protect this guy. This guy in this guy's mouth, God's chosen to speak, and we're going to protect him. Uh, Because they knew one thing. They knew two things. The evil-hearted Jews that came from Thessalonica, they weren't there just to dissuade the people. They were there also to kill Paul. They had been trying to kill Paul since Thessalonica uh, days or weeks earlier, however long this took for this whole thing to happen. But interestingly enough, in that verse, notice Silas and Timothy remain in Berea. It says there they remain behind, right? Probably to help plant the new church, as I was saying in the beginning of the sermon. This is the same uh, or this Berea, there was probably a church there as well too, kind of like there was one in Thessalonica when you know they had gone there. Uh, but we don't know. Uh, rest, of verse teen, rest of verse 15, excuse me, and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. So Silas and Timothy don't stay long in Berea, as it seems that Paul requires their assistance in Athens. You better believe he did, absolutely. But why? Well, remember, I've said this before. Ministry's hard, and it's even harder when you're on your own, as Paul now is, and he's away from his two, his three main other, two main other assistants. He's got Luke with him because we know that Luke was recording all this. But Luke, remember, wasn't really along to help Paul actually do the ministry work. Luke was just with him to help him record all the things that were going on, that was going on, God was doing through him. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, but a great minister is only as strong and as great as the assistants that he has by his side are. What have you done with the truths and the knowledge of Jesus Christ that God has brought your way throughout your life? Number one, maybe you've been like a Berean with them. You heard them, you investigated, wow, you saw the amazing things of God, and wow, your life's been transformed and you've been saved. Bless God, I hope that's you. Number two, have you just done nothing with them? Figuring, oh, it doesn't matter now anyway, I'm I'm young. And you know what, I'm so busy, I got my job and my life. You know what, I'm going to check out those things later. Well, there's a, a new saying that I love and I'm going to adopt, and I saw it just the other day on the internet, and it is so, so true. Uh, and it goes like this uh, a little warning, actually, to you if, if this you find yourself here. Uh, many who plan to seek God in the 12th hour, that means the last hour of their life. I'll, I'll, I'll seek, you know what, when my life slows down, I'll, you know. I'll get to seeking out God and Jesus Christ. Many who plan to seek God in the 12th hour, yeah, they die at 1130. Which means that if you put off, if you put off seeking God your whole life and then you get to the end, you may not actually make it to the end where you wanted to really seek God. It, it may turn out that you don't make it. I'll, you know, when I get to you know in my 60s and 70s, then, then uh, I'll, I'll just seek Him then. But you know what? You may not live to in your 60s and 70s. You may die in your 50s, right? So you just never know. That's a warning. Or number three, the last way, one of the very popular way today. You heard about the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, and you rejected that knowledge. And now maybe you're like the Jews who who brought an uproar to these cities because of it. Well, God's desire for you is that you be like a Berean the number one on the list that I just gave you. For God's desire, as Word says in First Timothy, is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, when you initially hear the amazing knowledge of Jesus as the Christ, because He is the Christ, He is the Son of God, and He is the Savior of the whole world, and the Bible says that He came and He died for our sins so that we wouldn't have to stand before God in our sinfulness, that we could stand underneath His covering, And we could choose Him. We could choose to accept Him and choose to turn to Him when God reaches out to us. And then we could be saved from our sins. And we could be saved from an eternity in hell. And we could go to heaven when we die. But that's in the end. But we could have a real relationship with the creator of the universe right now. That's the good news of the gospel of what Jesus Christ did. And when you initially hear this amazing news... Uh, and knowledge about Jesus Christ, uh, God's only Savior of the whole world. God doesn't just expect or demand anyone to just receive this knowledge without investigating or checking out first. I mean, if you do, hey, praise God. Praise God. But, you know, a lot of people don't. I didn't. Uh, the, the Bereans kind of resembled me a little bit about 18, 19 years ago. And, and that really goes with all information that you may hear in your life now, any that anyone may bring your way. Really receiving Jesus Christ or anything this way is what people call blind faith. And again, if God touches your heart and you do so and you turn to him, uh, so be it, do it great. But there will probably come a time when your blind faith will be challenged or tested. The devil's good at this. And if and when this happens to you, then you will still have to go on this search to seek out God's heart and to find out if what you believed about Jesus Christ is true and, and if he really is who he says he is. And God is okay with this skeptic heart. He is really okay with the skeptic's heart. And if you'll seek, he will eventually reveal himself to you and you can be saved. The only time he's not okay with your skeptic heart is if it causes you to close your eyes and your ears toward Christ and the truths of Him and run away from Him and from Jesus Christ. God doesn't want this from anybody, as again, He desires none to perish but all to come to repentance. So so I'm not sure where you stand with, with Jesus Christ today, but I know where He wants you to be. He wants you to be in His arms. He wants you to be surrendered to Him. You allowing Him to have total abandoned control of your life. Matthew 16, 24, 25, control. If anyone desires to come up to me, Jesus says, let him deny himself. This is, hey God, I need you. Jesus, here, here I am. Jesus, please save me. I, I need you. I realize you're real. God, please save me. I, I want you in my life. Come into my heart. I Please, I want to receive you. I want to receive your salvation. If it, let him deny himself. Take himself. Basically, takes yourself off the throne of your life, and it puts God on the throne of your life. You tell God, God, I, I'm tired of ruling my life. Lord, you rule my life for me. I want to be yours. I want to be your servant, and I want you to be my master. This is what this humble heart of submission tells God. But if anyone desires to come out, let him, let him surrender to Christ, or, or deny himself, and then take up his cross, and then choose to follow Jesus Christ. For, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's where God wants you to be if you're not there already. If you're having real doubts about who Jesus Christ really is, or whether or not God's word is accurate, or whether or not uh, you can trust him with your life and your eternal life forever, because that's a big step, Right? Like like for me, that was a big step, so it didn't, wasn't in a one-day thing for me. It took me about eight months to make this journey, right? Well, what I did, what you can do, come and seek God. Seek the God of all the universe and seek Jesus Christ, His Son. Seek them with all your heart and allow God to reveal Himself to you. Don't close your eyes and don't close your ears. Seek Him. But then, when He does reveal Himself to you, because you've not closed your eyes and your ears toward him. Then you can take hold of the words of Revelation, uh, what Jesus said to all people. He this is this is a message to all people. Uh, Revelation 22, 16 and 17. I'll close to you with this. Jesus says, This I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, Come. Right? And let him who hears, here's that word again, he who has ears to hear, be careful how you hear. And let him who hears means and who really, you know what, I'm not going to shut my eyes and ears toward Christ. He says, Let him who hears come. Right? And let him who thirsts come. Are you thirsty? Come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely that means stop fighting stop running and just come to jesus and lay your life down and turn to him with all your heart and call upon his name this is where god wants you to be but seek him seek him if you're not sure he'll he'll reveal himself to you it'll be a wild ride let's pray god thank you so much Lord, for your word. Thank you so much for this message. Thank you so much, Lord God, for the Bereans. Lord God, just like Cornelius, Lord God, just just like so many others in the Bible, just like the Ethiopian Enoch, Lord God, uh, how they sought you. You were calling them, they responded. And that's the only difference between somebody that's saved and somebody that's not saved, Lord, is the person that's saved, they responded to your calling. You called, they responded. The person that's not saved, you called, they said, get away from me. And I don't want to hear you anymore. I want to, be, I want to rule my life. And then uh, you'll give people their free will and you won't force. But Lord, I pray, those that are listening today, if they're not yours, Lord, it, it, I pray, dear God, that you would touch their hearts. Lord God, in that the possibility, Lord, the fact that they can seek you and that you will reveal yourself to them. Lord God, this, this, this is like the promise of the greatest treasure ever. If I would tell these people, these same people right now, well, there's a there's a multi-trillion-dollar treasure, and it's buried X and Y and Z, and it's here and there, and, and and here's a guaranteed map to get there. All you have to do is follow these directions. All you have to do is search out this treasure map and and go here. I'll guarantee you, 100 out of 100 people in this world would take that map, and they would do that. But Lord, your treasure is even greater than a trillion-dollar treasure buried somewhere, Lord. Your treasure is accessible to all. Everybody can have it. Everybody can be a super, super, super trillionaire in the Spirit with you, Lord. Everybody can. If they just seek out your treasure map, your word, and on their knees, Lord, seeking you in prayer, asking you if you're real, Lord God, and if they seek that treasure map, Lord God, you'll open up their lives to a greater life than any money could ever give them. A life of knowing and hearing from and being able to communicate <laughs> with with success. Many people pray, Lord, but their prayers don't get through. But Lord, your word says that if we truly seek you, if we truly come to you, Lord, then when we pray, you, our words will get through. And you know, the creator of the universe will actually hear us. What could be greater than that? Nothing. God, please touch people's hearts and help them. Help them. Seeked out that treasure map to you, your heart and your will, Lord, so that you can save them. I love you and I praise you, God, and I thank you. And we ask all these things in the mighty name and precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.